This is Dennis and Friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, or what's going on in life and around the world. I am Dennis, the host of the show. Welcome to episode 57. Today is December the 13th of the year of our Lord 2022. And sadly, the World Cup is almost over, but we're not done with the episodes just yet. Of course, we got a lot to catch up on from the weekend and the quarterfinals and today's game. So Dawson is back. Dawson Maxwell. Can't even say Hello. your last name, right? He's back. <laughs> and we're going to break it all down, talk about the quarterfinal matchups over the weekend, talk about the one semi that happened today, talk about the semi that happens tomorrow, and kind of look ahead to the two games this weekend being the third place match on Saturday and the final Sunday morning. Which is crazy. I can't believe it's it's already drawing to a close, man. But it's been a real good tournament, I would say. Um, we got to go back to Friday, which was uh, that was the Argentina Netherlands game, or the day of that, and then the day of Brazil and Croatia. Where do we start? Because I mean, both games were chaos. I yeah. don't know which one you want to get out of the way first. Yeah, I mean, they're both they were both such good games. I think. Let's do Brazil, Croatia first. Get the okay. heartbreak out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I thought Croatia played that game so brilliantly. Like, that's how I thought they were going to play today. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about how they performed today later, obviously. But the way that they were just able to seize control in the moments that they were able to, despite them clearly not being the better team, I would say, on paper. Yeah. Um I thought they were tremendous. They were organized. Their midfield did such a good job. Modric played I think that was probably his best game of the tournament, I would say. Um, just from like a leadership and and you know, getting the job done standpoint. Um their defense was really solid, obviously. Um and Brazil just didn't capitalize. Obviously, like they, they had the goal and extra time. Neymar did a great job, but rough, rough ending. Um, the goal that they gave up was like uncharacteristic of their defense and, and then they, they just got in their heads. You know what I mean? Like they definitely should have came out on top and for them to not make it to the semifinal is obviously a massive disappointment. Yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent that goal. I mean, first off, I think they, I was listening to one of the announcers on one of the broadcast channel talking about like just the aftermath of like seeing Neymar in the state that he was in. And the guy was just talking he was like, you know, like ultimately it just comes down to the fact that they weren't good enough today, which like is a brutal statement, but I mean, it's true. Like they had plenty of chances, um, plenty of quality chances that just, they didn't capitalize on. Aside from that, Lavakovic has been insane. Incredible. Time. So hats off to him. Hats off to Croatia. Like you said, they played that game super well. They, I feel like they, you know, I, again, they showed up as the villain this time, you know, for me personally. Um, but they just play games so well. Um, they do what they need to do. And, yeah, Modric played lights out once again. He's had a really good tournament as well. Um, 
there was a couple moments I thought Perisic could have had some had some more goals as well. He had some chances that um, could have been converted. So he's like been they, a bright spot for this team, especially in the final third when they haven't been able to get much of anything, mm-hmm. um, especially from Kermaric, who I thought was going to be able to to be fine, but he hasn't proven himself on on this yeah. big stage. Perisic has really been like the the guy that makes stuff happen in the final mm-hmm. third. Um, yeah. feeding off of whatever Brozovic and Modric and Mateo Kovacic do in the midfield. Um, and Vardiol was incredible. I mean, we'll yeah. talk about his performance today, but up until that point, like he was in, like probably the best, if not second, third best center back in the World Cup. And he's 20, which is yeah. insane. And he's not going to be, uh, I think he's at Leipzig, if I remember correctly. He's not going to be there much longer. He is definitely going to go find his way either in a big La Liga team or I'm sure Bayern will find some money for him and they'll get rid of somebody else, even though they have plenty of center backs, or he's going to go to the Premier League yeah. and play, play somewhere there. Um, do you think, I know some people were talking about it last week, do you think Brazil should have kept Neymar on the field after he scored the goal, or do you think that they should have pulled him? to, like, bring on more defensive reinforcement to hold on to the lead? Um, let's see. I mean, his goal was right at the end of the first period of extra time. So, like, initially I would lean no just because, like, 15 minutes is a lot of time. You know, and as we saw with today, like, you know, Argentina got two goals within five, five minutes or so. So like for that reason, I might lean, keep him on there, try to go for a second goal. Um, But, you know, obviously I think there is a fair argument to be, to be had for like, you know, it, it's a one nil is not. A, a, a big enough margin against this Croatia team. So I don't know. I, I'm probably split 50-50 on what I would have done, but I don't know. What do you? But he what? has to take a penalty though, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and that's the other reason that I probably wouldn't, you know, want to see him off, is, which he, he, he didn't even take a penalty, right? No, he was probably fifth. He was probably after Marquinhos, I guarantee yeah, you. What do you what, I mean, I want to hear what you think about would you have pulled him or, or – where do you stand on that? I feel like with their depth, I feel like you could have gotten away with, with pulling him. Who um, would you bring on? I mean, you have you have multiple guys. Let me look back at who they subbed in and who they subbed out. I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, you could have brought on... I mean, they brought on Fred, who's more of a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Um Alexandro, Pedro. Alexandro, right. Um, I thought Bruno Gimares would have been a nice fit there because he's more he can be more of a holding when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Fabinho would have been not the worst option there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was smart. I mean, it would have been a formation change, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, especially considering the circumstances of penalties, I would probably lean towards keeping him on which yeah. is obviously what they did. But he has to take the fourth penalty. I mean, I don't know. 
I genuinely don't know if there's a rule of like you have to have the order set and you just got to stick with it or if you change it on the fly. I literally don't know. I assume that you can just change it on the fly. Like yeah. they just kind of pick in the moment. Um, he has to take the fourth penalty. Like in the magnitude of that scenario that they were in, like I would I'd rather him take it, take my chances knowing that he's probably going to make it, yeah. you know, and then at least extend it a little bit. Um, and no disrespect to Marquinhos. I mean, it was just unfortunate. Like, he hit the post, you know what I mean? Because he yeah. had him beat. Um, yeah. But I feel like you have to have your big players have their big moment. And for him to not even have that moment in the shootout is unfortunate, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But 100%. can't do anything about it now. Um, yeah. It is what yeah, it is. The other game that day, which was – I don't know how it was going to be better than the Brazil-Croatia game because it was fine. Like, it was good, especially extra time. But, oh, my gosh, that Argentina-Netherlands game yeah. was incredible. You start with this one because I have a lot to to kind of backtrack on. But, yeah, I thought this was probably one of the better games of this tournament. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the passion with these. And, obviously, these two teams have so much history meeting in the World Cup. Um, so, like, the tensions were high. The skill level from both teams and the depth this year is so high for them. Well, not so much Netherlands. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just so interesting to watch. And it was, like, such a great game for, uh, like, Messi in general, which, like, obviously he's had so many great games. But, like, what he was doing – to the Netherlands back line and the midfield was just nuts this game. Um, I also thought Martinez obviously had those last two goals conceded, but what a game from him too, like aside from the penalty kicks. Um, so yeah. And, and also just like what an exciting game to watch even without like, like just all the little scruffles and, and all the, the showboating and getting in each other's face, like obviously Messi celebrating in front of Van Gaal. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the like bird's eye view of Lautaro Martinez walking up to the penalty spot and the entire Netherlands squad is just like getting in his face. And then uh, I think he shows the ball to Nopert like right before he takes the penalty. Like it's just such a like passionate game from both teams. So like this is honestly probably – probably the game of the tournament so far for me. Um, I know there's been a couple other contenders right now, but man, what a game. And yeah, it was just a freaking awesome game to watch. It's, it's going to be one that's like I watch multiple times over the course of the next couple of years for sure. Yeah. I thought the formation change of Argentina was very interesting to go to a five back, you mm-hmm. know, um, I thought it worked well. I don't. I'm sure the Dutch weren't expecting that because yeah. that's kind of what they do. It's not necessarily the thing they do all the time, but Dumfries and Blinn like can track back and essentially make a back five. But they're supposed to be playing up a little bit more. Yeah, I thought that their lineup was the correct lineup. You know, maybe Bergwijn. Um, 
I, I thought he was kind of a dud. But, I mean, the guys that they brought in, like, their subs were spectacular. Luke de Jong, who, funny story, has always been linked to the Mexican League. <laughs> like, the last, like, four years, he has been linked to Tigres. He's been linked to America. He's been linked to... No, nah, he hasn't been linked to Chivas because Chivas is only Mexican players. He's been linked to Rayados. He's been linked to all these big teams in the Mexican League, and he hasn't ever moved, which is super interesting. But anyway, I thought he was great. But, oh, my God, Weghorst, holy moly, to come in and score both the goals, especially the second one, yeah. the set-piece one, that is genius. And that I don't know if, was so nuts. I don't know. Oh. Did we talk about it in the group chat um, that they, like, ran that play? At his club, like two years ago, like oh, very same, similar thing, like that's sick. Literally identical, except like on the different side of the field, mm-hmm. um, and, and from a different angle. But same thing, where like they kind of fake it, that do the slow pass. He comes out, gets the touch, and and boots it. Um, same thing, like he's used to that play. So for for the Netherlands coaching staff to deem that as the right play, I thought was really, really good for them. Um, I thought De Jong was awesome throughout the whole game. Um, he was a, a, a shining star in the midfield. This was probably Gakpo's worst game. You know, he did not have a good knockout stage. Obviously, he had a really great group stage, but he was not yeah. super great in the U.S. game, and he was also not great in this game either. Um, uh, but you know, their their backline was great. Nofford did a good job. I thought. You know, not a lot of like standout standout players for um for Argentina in this game. Molina, who's had a spectacular knockout round. Um, I thought he, he played decently well. I thought DePaul had a, a decent game. McAllister I thought had a good game and, and I thought Messi did as well, obviously. Um But yeah, I mean it got feisty. Uh, Van Dyke just kind of <laughs> trucking uh I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but just trucked him. It was so great. Uh, big fan of that. Um, although I am glad that Virgil is not in Qatar anymore, so he can fully focus on Liverpool. <laughs> so that's a that's a plus for for them. Um, I don't know, man. It stinks for the Netherlands because they played well. They played well enough to win. They had this resilient spirit and. You know, Emmy Martinez just did his job in the shootout, and there's not much else you can do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what did you? Okay, so there's been a lot of controversy about the referee of this game. What? Oh it, my god, the ref in this game was horrible. Yeah. Most of the refs in the quarterfinals have been horrible. It's true. There hasn't really been a well refed game. And I think like none of them, or three of the four, were not called back for the semis. So. That yeah, tells you anything about their performance. This guy was removed from the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, just brutal. There were yeah. so many yellow cards in this game, dude. If I remember correctly, and I'm going to verify via stats, there was like 17, 16, 17? Okay. Uh, 14. It says 14. Yeah, but I feel like it, the number I saw was 17. I forgot Dumfries got a red card for getting a second yellow. But the foul discrepancy, I mean, the Netherlands committed 30 fouls and Argentina committed 18. That is crazy. Which is as feisty as all can be. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It was, it was so, so funny to watch all the, like, little, like, flair, like, the uh-huh. little, like, feisty moments and 
and people getting in each other's faces and all that. I I I thought that was that was something that was sorely needed that hadn't mm-hmm. happened in this World Cup um yet and finally it happened in in one of the best games and not the best games so far mm-hmm. of this tournament. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean gr- great great game. It was hard for the Saturday games to top it and I don't think they did. But let's talk first the the lesser of the two games um which is Morocco and Portugal. Yeah. That went about exactly how I expected it to with Morocco just again being so organized defensively and taking mm-hmm. care of their one chance which was kind of a wacky header. Yeah. Um, in Portugal who were trying to blame the ref, which, like, yeah, the ref was bad in that game, too. But also, they sucked in the yeah. final third. So, yeah. I don't know what else you have to add to that, but I don't have a lot. Yeah, I mean, Admittedly, I didn't watch this game as much yeah. as I wanted to, but, I mean, they just didn't put the ball in the back of the net, and yeah, that's all there is to it. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right, and this is exactly how we talked about it when we were previewing this one. Like, you look at possession stats, Portugal had 74% possession and both teams had the same amount of shots on target. Like that's just, that's just Morocco being the more quality side, honestly, which is crazy to say. And I, you know, obviously there was a majority of people had Morocco losing their group, not even making it to the round of 16. And here they are about to face France, uh, which is nuts. So hats off to them for being so unified and, Hats off to them for being so diligent with their with their chances, like you're saying. Like, yeah, they got that one wacky header, but it went in the net, and that's all that matters. And Portugal didn't do that, so um, it's t- it's it's sad to see Ronaldo go out uh, of the World Cup. It's sad to see all these legends that that we know and love from um, our time loving the game. But you know, it is what it is, and you know, congrats to Morocco. So I'm excited to see what they can do against France. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I have my thoughts about how it's going to go, but, you know, I feel like I've been wrong almost every time about them. So we'll see. You know, that being said, I think that Ronaldo, you know, like, obviously I've had my hate for him during this time, but, you know, it is just hard to, like, have this narrative against you of, like, you're getting benched and like you've got to still perform and still like, you know, be a star for this team. Um, so I really feel for him in that aspect of things. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just time for it to time for things to move on and it's sad, but it is what it is. And I was actually like just thinking the other day about like all of this talent that's leaving us this World Cup, you know, like we mentioned, Modric, um, he's leaving. Uh, we've got Ronaldo leaving. Obviously, Messi, uh, Neymar. Like, it's just the turning of the age point, which sucks because, like, these are the players that we've all grown up with and, and we've all, you know, come to love so much. And it hurts to, like, watch them hurt. You know, like, seeing Neymar in the state that he was, like, really hurt me. Uh, And seeing what he said about that moment really hurts. Um, And, you know, Modric, how he was so stoic and solemn when he walked into the tunnel. um, You know, it's just, it's such a stinging feeling of like seeing the legends that we 
like idolize so much and, and hold so highly, you know, go out so low. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a really good game for Morocco and they stepped up and it's going to be exciting to see what they can do against France. It really is because you never know. You really do never know. And this French side is so good. Uh, but this Moroccan side, like you've said, is so organized and they're so unified. Ziyech has just been absolutely lights out. He had a couple chances in this game that he could have had some goals. But, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I'm excited to see how France approaches this game, too. Because obviously you've got the pressure of like the pressure of being the being the one who's being the favorite in this game is obviously a different kind of pressure than Morocco is facing Um, as the underdog. It's almost like, obviously the stakes are still high because it's the world cup, but the stakes are so much higher for France because they're they're not only are they the defending champs, but they're by far the favorite team uh, in this matchup. So you know, it's going to be exciting to see how they handle that and they how they handle the frustration that's going to come with facing this Moroccan team. Because, um, you know, that's something that was evident in the Portugal game is like how frustrating it, it is to have 75% possession, but you're not doing anything with it. So um, obviously, I don't think that I think that there's a lot of key differences in the in the French side and versus the Portugal side. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game, and we'll see. I've got my got my hat leaning on France, but you never know. It's the World Cup, baby. I feel no sympathy for Ronaldo. I really don't. I feel no sympathy for that team. I have said from the beginning that I did not like that team. I think they were fluky, and they were fluky on Saturday. You know, I was not impressed with the way that they played. Not really inspired, and, uh, you know, the better team. I know Morocco did not have the possession stats. I know that they did not have the shots. But to me, it felt like they were the better team. It felt like they were destined to win that game from the beginning. I Definitely. was not did not have the feeling that, that Portugal was going to, to get it done. And that feels so weird to say. It's so counterintuitive, but that's football, you know? Yep. Um, this is a team of destiny in a lot of ways um, for the African continent, um, for the for the Arab people. Um, I think that's their group, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So. so they have a lot riding for them, and yeah. so I think that that goes a long way. Um, their midfield, I, I mean, obviously they didn't have possession, but they were they were useful. Mm-hmm. Um, they cover just so much ground. They just don't tire themselves out, which is so interesting because yeah. they have ran so much this entire tournament, especially, um, gosh, what's his name that, that sits in midfield? I can't ever remember his name, but he is just everywhere, everywhere. Uh, Amrabat, he's just, you see him, you see, you look up and he's like, oh, he's right there. He's, you know, taking out this fire. Oh, he's covering this guy. Oh, he's doing this, doing that. Yeah. Scudos to them. Just I thought they were they were the better team despite their very limited uh uh time on the ball. One hundred percent. Okay, the better game. France England, the one that we thought was gonna be really, really, really good. And it was good, but it wasn't like a classic, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, here's the thing, England played well. 
And I, I really like considering their opponent, considering who they had to deal with, you know, with Mbappe. Mm-hmm. I thought they had a good game plan. I thought they did well. It's just unfortunate that it came down to Harry Kane skying a penalty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I really thought that in the in the second half they were the better team, like by far. I thought they yeah. they really controlled things. Their midfield really started to get get it together, and I don't know, man. I, I was just really, really, really impressed with the way that they were able to to hold it together and and really fight through. Um, despite them, you know, going down again and then not converting the penalty and all that, like they really did a good job. You know, I, I you can't be nitpicky about them. I, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for them. Um, yeah. Just because they they had all the chances, they they had all the the right to move on. It's just you know, you miss the one thing, and that's what this run is sadly going to be remembered by in a lot of ways. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah, that's exactly where I was as I was, like, recapping this game. Is like, like, the goals that France scored were, like, you can't watch those goals and be, like, obviously you can nitpick it if you want to, but, like, on surface value, when you watch how France scored, you can't look at that and be, like, England was just poor there. Like, it's solely the fact that France is that good. And Chuamini's goal was out of this universe. Outrageous. Literally insane. Probably going to be a competitor for goal of the tournament. You know, up there with like Richarlson's and Messi's against Mexico and uh, Saudi Arabia's goal against Argentina or Mexico. I can't remember. Argentina. But, yeah. It's going to be up there because it was just, like, like Pickford can't do anything. He can't do anything about that, which is crazy to say because he was like 25, 30 yards out. And it was a low corner shot, which, like, when you think of an outside-the-box screamer, you think top top bends. Yeah. But, I mean, that, like, took a couple bounces and, like, rolled in the bottom corner. And it's like, you can't do anything about that. And then Giroud's goal, like, you can argue that the defense should have been tight, tighter on the cross. But, I mean, I, I'm going to assume – I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to assume it, it was Maguire. But, like, that was a contested shot. And it was – Oh, it, yeah, it was Maguire because Giroud, on the camera angle from, like, inside the goal, you can see it actually deflected off of Maguire's shoulder, which is why it was so far out of reach for Pickford. Right. It's like you can't control that because, like, he's obviously contesting the shot. So it is what it is. But, yeah, I agree completely. Like, I would have liked to see England, you know, make the game necessary to live up to what our goal expectations were of this game, like three, two, four, three. Um, I would have loved to see them score an open play, which I thought they had some really good opportunities to Harry Kane had some fantastic strikes. Uh, Lori's was just really good to really good during this game, um, which is lucky for France because he hasn't had the greatest tournament, um, but he showed up during that game. So good for him. And yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to send one of these two teams home, but France took better chances. But I agree, England definitely was the better team in the second half. The only thing I'll be like kind of nitpicky about is like maybe the subs. You know, yeah. like I don't know if Sterling was the right move considering the week that he had just come off of, not yeah. training at all, and like literally having to deal with the fact that his house got robbed. 
Yeah. I don't know if that was the best thing. I mean, I obviously, like, who else are you going to put in there? Are you going to put in Callum Wilson, who's been injured? Are you going to put in James Madison? Like, not like they had a ton of options there, but also maybe you try something different. I don't know. Um, especially when you're, when you have to be desperate, which they had to be in some ways. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought Henderson was fine. Um, I thought he was the right midfielder to be subbed off. So I thought that was a good move. I would have liked to have seen, and I understand why he didn't do it because Mbappe's playing the whole game. You can't take Kyle Walker out, but yeah. I would have liked to have seen a, something a little bit different there. Um, from the right back spot, whether that is Kieran Trippier or Trent Alexander Arnold, yeah. especially in the in the last like ten minutes of the game where you need chances and you just gotta like start sending stuff in the box and yeah. try to break stuff down. I feel like that would have been a good move. Although I understand like Mbappe just as we've talked about multiple times, like he just has this afterburner that nobody mm-hmm. else in the world really has. And they defended him really well, you know what I mean? So I feel like that could have been something that that Gareth could have tried, but I understand why he did it in the moment. And and that's just me being super, like, very, very nitpicky about what he did because he really had a good game. Um, And I hope he doesn't get fired or he doesn't walk away. I feel like he had a a very nice – I know that this is the worst that they've done under him in a major tournament. Because, you know, they made the semifinal in 2018. They made the final of the Euro last year. So this is the technically the worst they've ever done. But they weren't but, playing France in the, in the quarters. Right. And, I, and I, they didn't play poorly outside of the U.S. game. Like, yeah. the U.S. game was by far the worst that they played. They, they were came away with a draw. Yeah. They played really well against Wales. They played really well against Iran. They played really well against Senegal mm-hmm. um, after the first 30 minutes. So... Yep, I feel and, like it would be a little harsh, and I, and we've been talking about their roster and him like a lot, you know. And now it, I've, I'm coming around saying that maybe it is a little bit harsh if he like is let go. I feel like you have to give him the next Euro, and maybe if they don't win the next Euro, if they don't make the next final of the Euro, then maybe you let him go, or maybe he walks away. I feel like you have to give him the next major tournament. Um, before you start to do anything, or unless they just go on a poor run of form in Nations League or something like that, I don't even know if they're even in the first thing in Nations League next time. But that's that's for the future. France did what they had to do, man. I mean, they they're just quality yeah. in in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about them here in a sec as they play now Morocco tomorrow. But we had our first semifinal today, and it was quite. The domination, I would say, from Argentina beating Croatia three nothing. Yeah, give me your thoughts, man, because I'm fresh off watching it. I was at work today, so I didn't see any of the goals live. The only thing that I saw live was the last five minutes, which was kind of like, okay, everybody's getting their cardio in, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm caught up. I watched it just now on replay, so I, I'm pretty fresh with what I, I'm going to say. But why don't you you kick things off and talk about how dominant? The, yeah. the blue and white were. Yeah, the blue and white were fantastic today. Obviously, after the Brazil-Croatia results, and even, you know, we, we mentioned we were nervous for Brazil-Croatia um, just because of how Croatia can manage a game and, and come out on top in crucial moments. 
Uh, I was nervous for this game. I really was. So it was like, it was very comforting, you know, when I, I, I checked the score and like at the end of the first half and it's 2-0 Argentina, I was like, oh, oh snap. I can't wait to, can't wait to see what happens and, you know, watch the highlights and watch the rest of the game. Um, and I mean, man, what, what a game offensively from Argentina. I thought they just looked so deadly. They looked so creative which is something that has been developing for them more and more over the course of this tournament. And I feel like they are coming to a plateau at just the right time. You know, like they peaking. Yeah. Yeah. They're the other peaking rather than plateauing, Um, which is fantastic for them. It's fantastic for Messi. It's fantastic for Julian Alvarez. uh, who Amazing game, obviously today. Um, But yeah, I mean, they, they didn't, they did. They never showed their cards too early in this tournament, which like obviously not intentional because you want to come out hot. Um, but it's, you know, it's working up, it's working out perfectly for them. Um, and I think this result today was huge because of how menacing Croatia is like, this wasn't a blowout of like a team that had a cakewalk here, you know, like this was a team that I was prepared to like say that they are serious to win the whole thing, you know, prior to this game today, um, just because of how they've handled their competition, how they handled the group stage. You know, it's, it's, they're a real nitty gritty team. Like they're going to annoy you and frustrate you. But I mean, it was the complete opposite today. Like they couldn't get anything going. Messi shredded them. Julian Alvarez shredded them. Uh, Emmy Martinez had some great saves today as well. Um, he didn't, he didn't need to have, I think he just had two saves, but they were both pretty good saves and huge saves. So, yeah, I mean, great game for Argentina, and it's looking up for them for the final, no matter who they play, I think. Yeah, man. I don't like watching Croatia play, especially this iteration of it. Oh, yeah. Because it's not like they don't have a a huge threat up top. Mm -hmm. In 2018, it was a little bit more manageable just because, like, okay, Mandzukic is proven. You know, like, he's a big game player. Like, he's mm-hmm. a veteran, all that. They don't have a Mandzukic on this team. Yeah. Obviously, their midfield is f- fabulous, as we all know. But they were the best thing about today because their defense was horrendous. Um, yeah. Just so, like, disorganized. Like, Modric having to play super, super deep and clear stuff out to cover for, for Lovren and... And Vardiol, like we just talked about, Vardiol's had a great tournament. Great but tournament. oh my gosh, he got schooled, schooled by Messi today. Not just on the third goal, just pip, picked apart in yeah. so many different ways. Lavakovic, again, another great tournament for him. Um, he is definitely on the move. I know he's playing in Croatia. He's definitely not going to be playing in Croatia here in a couple of weeks. Like He has yes. to go to a big team. Yeah. Again, not not his best. I mean, I don't think he should have came out that hard on the penalty. You know, like that's a clear, pretty clear penalty um, that that he drew or that Alvarez drew, you know, in that yeah. moment. Um, yeah, I mean, Argentina, just all cylinders today. Like they were they were on it. And I know that they did not have statistically like the most possession, like they had 39%. And they had technically less shots, but they had more shots on goal. They were mm-hmm. wreaking havoc. Their With, midfield today was spectacular. Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, and that's the thing. Like, that's how you know that Croatia was 
you know, shocked today is because that's not how they, they don't they, – let me pull it up. They don't play with 60% possession all of the time, you know. They're usually tallying – they're usually keeping it around 50, um, maybe if not even a little under, 45 to 40. Right. Um, just because they're so content with sitting back and waiting to strike and they're so confident, like they've been confident in Vardiol and Lovren and Lovakovic all tournament long. But today, I mean, they, they have this sort of, you know, go for it more, which, you know, not having that Mandzukic at the top, I think really impacts them as well. Like obviously Perisic is doing some work up there, but Kramaric is not, not it. Yeah. They were super bad in the final third as well today. I mean, we talked about Perisic earlier and, and he had a couple headers that were really, really nice and a couple like really like genius like passes and flicks with his head. Yeah. And it's getting to nobody, you know, like Emmy doesn't have to do anything there. I really want to shout out this Argentina midfield real quick because they have been like peaking along with the rest of the team. But I thought by far this was their best game today. Um, McAllister, who's had probably better games in this tournament. I, th- I thought it was really good against Poland. Um, he had a really nice game today, just the way that he was controlling and just the the way that he was able to, you know, be useful in his minimal moments. Mm-hmm. Um, Enzo had a couple nice strikes to kind of, you know, set the tone. Um, he almost had a goal early on in the game that um, if he just bends a little bit, maybe it goes in um, if Lovakovic doesn't get there in time. Um, Paredes, same thing, like really set the tone. I've memed about him all tournament, and I've, you know, talked about how terrible he was the first two uh, days of the group stage. Rodrigo DePaul, unbelievable today. Just, he's a, like, Stu Holden said it best on the broadcast today, a pit bull. Just an absolute, like, dog. He got that dog in him. But, like, legit, he does. Like, he was everywhere today. Just relentless in the way that he was running and pressing. And he had some nasty passes, especially like switching the the play, um, going from one side of the field to the other, where he just had just some tremendous pace. I know he's the bodyguard of Messi, and that's the big meme about him is that he's he's the bodyguard. But he he shined today big time. He's probably their third best player just because Alvarez and Messi were just otherworldly. But to mm-hmm. me, I thought he was so crucial today in setting the tone from the get-go with his pressing, uh, really being a force in the midfield and not shying away from the challenge of having to be, you know, matching up with Modric and Kovacic and Brozovic, you know, like really taking that challenge to heart. And he's going to have to do that again, regardless of who they play in the final. And especially if they play France, he really needs to be up for that challenge especially against two of many. I think that matchup, I think, will go a long way. Obviously, Alvarez, incredible. Messi, incredible. Messi, this is his best game in the tournament by far. Um, It's funny with Alvarez, man, because last year, nobody knew about him, unless you're, like, super deep into Argentine Libertadores soccer. And uh, I remember Clayton talking to me about him like when we first started doing the pod, like on one of our first EPL talks, like was talking about transfers. Yeah. And he mentioned like, oh, there's this kid who just timed for City. He's a River Plate. His name's Julian Alvarez. Look up his highlights. Like he's pretty good. I was like, okay. Yeah. 
And I was like, all right, he's pretty good. Like he's yeah. got, he's really young. He's, you know, he's got really good instincts and he's had a decent season at city. Like yeah. he's not starting. Cause he, I mean, he's got freaking early Holland on his team for Christ's yeah. sake, but he's been pretty effective. He's unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. This tournament, three goals, I think a, a sister two, something like that. Just otherworldly stuff from him. And he's like 22, like he's super young. Yeah. Um, and for him to take over the starting spot of Lautaro specifically, um, and for uh, Scaloni, I think is his name. I, I'm trying to pronounce his name right. Uh, Lionel Scaloni, I think is that's the manager's name. For him to drop both Lautaro and Di Maria and put the full uh, faith and trust into young Julian Alvarez, I think says a lot about his talent level and the way that he's performed mm-hmm. in this tournament. Just that second goal, just the composure to like stay with the ball was just yeah. stupid, bro. And then, I mean, Messi's the assist on the third goal was, was ridiculous. Like the Meg, the run, the hold up, the little like shimmy, like, come on, man. Like, that's insane. Like, you're 35 years old and you're just. On a different planet from everybody Letting else right now. Twenty-something year old, who's had yeah. a great tournament. Yeah, twenty-year-old, straight up twenty-year-old, straight Just up twenty. Yeah, like unbelievable. There's a whole teenager in between them, year-wise, and he's just leaving him in the dust. Yeah, that's stupid. I was seeing on Twitter that <laughs> some people were were memeing about um, about that play with with Vardial. Um, and talking about how Messi like cut his uh, his transfer price in half <laughs> because of that goal. So it's like, okay, maybe some of these teams can't get him because I mean, obviously his value has gone up tremendously. Yeah. But all these people were like, everybody can thank Messi whenever their club signs him for uh, dropping <laughs> his value about twenty twenty five million euros. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. Unbelievable performance from them, man. Uh-huh. Um, I would imagine, though, I think Croatia, regardless of who they play, I don't know. I mean, if France makes the third place game, if they don't win tomorrow, that's just crazy. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a sec. I feel like Croatia will have a lot of pride and will have a sense to really like go for it in the third place game on Saturday. I know it's the third place game. It is what it is. Like It's not that big of a deal. But I think for them to to finish top three, two straight World Cups, I think will matter a lot to them. Yeah. And so I would expect them to, to be up for it. Um, it's just a matter of, are they going to play a France team that's going to be obviously super disappointed to not make the final? Or are they going to play a Moroccan team who it's is going to be, going to will be super disappointed, but who also will be up for the challenge. We're like, yeah. there's never been an African team that's made third place. Yeah. So. True. Let's talk about that game. Morocco, France tomorrow, 1 p.m. Yeah. I don't I mean, know, man. I really don't know. I thought I knew about this yeah. game, but especially now with the reports coming out uh from the France camp about sickness, oh, specifically wait. with uh with Rabio and Upamecano. Oh boy, if Rabio does not play tomorrow, I mean, they have Camavinga. So it's not like it's the end of the world. Yeah. But really like you've got to You've got to hope that they're there, both of them. And Upa Makano, I mean, they have center back depth out the wazoo. They could throw in 
uh, Konate that could throw him Saliba. Like, they're fine. But, yeah. cause of concern. Give me your thoughts on this game, because truthfully, I feel like it could go either way, especially with how Moroccan's uh, defense and organization has been all tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm reading that article right now about the illness in the France camp, and it looks like both so both Rabio and Upamakano are they were forced to sit out of training on Tuesday, which was today. <laughs> um, and it said <clears throat> now that there are to be serious doubts for the match tomorrow, um, which yeah, I mean that's definitely a blow. But honestly, I mean we've talked about how deep this France squad is. Um, Hold on, can I interrupt you for like two seconds? Yeah, for sure. Quick aside, Carlos Correa, this is not related to footy at all. Carlos Correa just got the biggest contract for a shortstop ever. No way. How much? 13 years, $350 million with the San Francisco Giants. $350 million, 50, not 15, 50, 350. 350. Over 13 years. It's not like he's young either. So that over 13 years is spread out to be about, I mean, the average per year is like 27 million. Yeah, 27. But still, holy moly. But that's, oh my word. That's, I like can't even wrap my, that's my lack of silence is my (laughs) lack of ability to wrap my, my mind around that. That's so like. That's also not where I was expecting him to go. But that's really? a whole another thing. That's a whole episode. Oh yeah, you said so. wait with the Giants. Yeah, he was with the Astros. He was with the Astros, but he was with the Twins last year. Oh yeah, that's right. Is that is that where he just signed from? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Ah, weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Anyway, yeah. that's not what this episode's about. Back Maybe. to the semifinal. What, what were you saying? Anyways, yeah. So it looks like Rabio and Upamakano are not going to be playing. Uh, who knows if that changes or anything? But yeah, I mean, we've talked about how deep this France squad is. So like, obviously, it's going to affect their play because they're losing two of the players that have been starting. I don't think that that is going. To, oh, all right. I'm just going to make my claim and stick to it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think that that's going to be enough to stop France and what they're going to do to Morocco. Mm. Because I think that this France team is far more disciplined and far more lethal than the Portugal team that we saw. And a takeaway, a a slight critique of this Moroccan team, like, yes, they are super diligent with taking their chances on goal. Like against Portugal, they get the wacky header but they finish it. Say that that sort of scenario happens against France. They get a wacky whatever. Like, I don't think that they're going to have many other chances outside of that, if that makes sense. Sure. And I don't think that that is going to be enough to, like, whatever goals Morocco can score, I think France can just score more. Like, at the end of the day. And also, I feel like, France is not going to fold in that scenario. Yeah. Like Portugal was very prone to fold. Yeah. Just based off the personalities on their team and mm-hmm. the vibes and all that. 
Yeah. France are the defending champions for a reason, and Deschamps is not going to let them get away with that. 100%. And the players are not, you know, I think they're... They've just got that different mentality uh, than Portugal. Like we saw that header in like the, I think like the 40 something minute and they couldn't even rally in the entire second half to get an equalizer. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. So I just, yeah, I just think if Morocco and that's been Morocco's problem. If I'm, if my memory is correct, I don't believe that they've had a game where they've scored more than one goal. Is that a true statement? Let me go. No, they they scored two or three against Belgium. Two, two against Canada. Yeah, two against Canada. Two against Belgium as well. Yeah. Okay. So they've had two games scoring two goals. Uh, a couple other zero zero draws, and then one nil. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll walk that back. But yeah, I don't think that I don't see them scoring two against France. And if France and if they score one against France, I think France can score two against them. So I think I'm going to call it, I'm going to say 2-1 France. Okay. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that Morocco, if my memory serves me right, they've not had to play a team with the speed that France has on the wings. Not just Mbappe, but Ousmane Dembele, Mm -hmm. who's just stupid fast. Yeah. I, I genuinely feel like that's going to pose a big challenge for Morocco. They haven't had to deal with that. Like, you know, like Portugal, like last game, like they don't have like crazy fast guys. Like Joao Felix, maybe, but like he's been kind of a dud for the last little bit now. Mm -hmm. Bruno Fernandes ain't fast. You know, I'll tell you that. They don't, there's not a lot of fast guys on the Belgium squad. I mean, the only fast guy they've really had to deal with, I'd say, this tournament. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, of all their games is like maybe Alfonso Davies in the Canada yeah. game, you know? Yeah. And now you've got two, and you've got w- w- probably the best, second best player in the world right now, in Mbappe. And then you've got Dembele, who's just a freak, and who's been in good form for a while now. This is not the Dembele of old, who's been riddled with injury, and has been you know a a question mark more than like a certainty this guy's a certainty right now um and with Giroud being in fine form I really think this is the team that's going to crack the code of Morocco yeah and I hate saying that because I really think Morocco can do it again I really think that they can be organized again defensively yeah and play well um but I don't know I just feel like regardless of who plays a in midfield tomorrow for France, whether Rabio is playing or whether Camavinga or whoever else has to come into parallel side to many. I just feel like that their final third is just it's just a different level of quality, man. And they have, yeah. you know, the depth and they have the experience and they have the will um of a champion. Because, you know, most of these guys were on that team in twenty eighteen or a lot of these guys were. And the guys that weren't don't know any better, like Opa Makano doesn't know any better. Chuameni doesn't know any better. Kanati doesn't know any better. Teo Hernandez doesn't know any better. You know, guys like that. I really wish that Morocco would have a better chance. I just don't see it. I really don't. But it would not surprise me because this World Cup has been so wacky. But I really think that this is 
where they're going to struggle because of the speed and how that's going to open up things for for everybody. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like yeah. this could go either way. I really do. I, I really don't think there's blowout potential in this game. Yeah. I think it's going to be close, similarly to how you said. I think 2-1 is a safe bet. I really do. But I will say this is my caveat. I'm going to say this goes to extra time. Just because. I feel like this could go to extra time. I feel like Morocco could frustrate France for a while. And then France is like, okay, let's figure it out now. And then they flip the switch. And then Mbappe, you know, puts on the afterburner, like I mentioned. And they figure it out. You think winner in extra time? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel like it's going to be 1-1. Yeah, I can see that. And then I don't feel like it's going to be one of those, like, it happens last second. I feel like it happens in the first yeah. uh, half of extra time. And then desperation. It's just desperation and, and trying yeah. to play the chess match at that point. Yeah, um, you can very well see that happen. I, I, I really, for the vibes and for the historical significance, oh, and yeah, just like too. all those other things, like, I really want Morocco to win. Me too, man. That would be so sick. I mean, I'm indifferent either way. I love this France team. Yeah. And the the prospect of them playing Argentina on Sunday in the final is mouth-watering because, like, all the storylines of that yeah. would be just tremendous. But, um, yeah, I, I really feel like this is a this is going to be an interesting, thing, interesting matchup. Um, Hakimi plays right back, right? Yeah. So he's not going to match he's not going to match up against Mbappe. He's going to match up yeah. against Dembele. Uh-huh. I think that's going to go a long way. I think that is going to be a very very interesting thing, you know, in the grand scheme. So that means I obviously don't know anything about him, but Allah number 25 is going to be matched up against Mbappe. Yeah. Like I said, I know nothing about him, so no idea how fast he is. Who knows if he's up? I feel like you have to have two on him. I think you have to defend as a team more so one-on-one. I feel like if they can take notes of how England played Mbappe, Mm -hmm. I think that would go a long way. Yeah. Um, And just hope that they can cover the other parts of the field, which Mm -hmm. I think they can. I I mean, they're organized. They have been all tournament. I think that potential is there for sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I can't believe it's, we're at the point where, like, we're having to talk about this, and yeah, pretty soon, like, it, it's all over. Yeah. Do you have any like big takeaways over the last like week since we last recorded that you wanted to sit on before we wrap up? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me recently is that I genuinely have been getting a little bit emotional at just like how many lasts this World Cup is for players. Like, this is Modric's last, Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, you know, all these players, it's their last Ochoa. Memo Ochoa. Like, like a World Cup goat. Um, it just really is sad. Um, and especially to see how some of these guys are going out, like seeing Neymar after the game. And did you see his quote, what he said? Yeah, yeah like, I did. Man, that, like just to hear him admit that it like psychologically destroyed him, like, oh, I think I was sitting there reading that for like 
a couple minutes and I'm just like, man, that sucks. Um, and obviously as much as I'm not the hugest, the biggest Ronaldo fan, like seeing him, seeing him in his feels like, I agree with you. I don't feel, uh, I don't feel sympathy for the team and how they played, but like a Ronaldo as a person, like it hurts. Modric made me sad as well, just cause like how solemn he was, you know, like he wasn't like a wreck, but you know, he was just like, you'd tell it obviously is like yeah. heartbreaking. So I think that that's my biggest thing is that it's just, it's just a passing of the torch cycle in all definitions of the phrase, which is so bittersweet because, you know, I, I, it's exciting to see all this talent that we're going to see and all these new teams that are on the rise, but like all these players that I've grown up with and we've grown up with and, you know, they're, they're so big and so mighty and now they're done. Yeah, absolutely. And I would be remiss if we don't mention um, on the topic of World Cup, I would be remiss if we don't mention Grant Wall and his passing um, yes. the other day and during the Argentina game, which is so sad. Um, I don't know the cause of death still. I'm waiting yeah. to to see that. But it sounds like he had some sort of medical thing based off of his bronchitis that he got earlier before he died. Um, and it just, you know, was not great after that. I didn't know he did the work that he did. But, like, knowing that he did LeBron's cover story when he was at in high school and, and the coverage that he did on the sport of football in the U.S., and the impact that he had I th- goes a long way. So it's super sad. And and him making a stand for for great things, um, for things that I think are worth taking a stand for, like even this tournament, like going into the first game that he was covering with a, a pride shirt, supporting his brothers, supporting the LGBTQ community, and getting kicked out, you know, like because he took a stand. Like that guy was not afraid to uh to really speak out and to and to live out what he really believed and and to do good work while doing it and that was a that was a a gut punch in a lot of ways for for that to happen and uh you know I think about him and his wife and his fam and everybody that that cared about him cuz that's a, that's a big loss in a lot of ways I don't know what else you have to add to that but I wanted yeah, to mention that yeah definitely I appreciate you mentioning that cuz I completely that skipped over my brain just now, but yeah, I mean, that is a monumental thing to happen. Like, and I had, like you mentioned, I didn't know, you know, all the work that he's done either, but, you know, reading more about his life and about what he, what he covered and what he stood for, like, that's a big blow to this, to the community and obviously to his family. So yeah, big, big time, big time, good guy. And it's, it sucks. Yeah, I also want to mention that there's apparently there was a there was another guy, another I think a photojournalist, a Qatari photojournalist who died today or not today, but at some point over the last few days covering a game as well. Really? So that's a super super sad, you know, like yeah. I, I that's just it stinks, man, and I hope that this wave of sickness and whatever is causing the things like that to happen. I hope that 
the buck stops there, you know, because I don't, no, I know none of us want to deal with any other, you know, sad news. Speaking yeah. of sad news, also want to mention Mike Leach and his passing, and yeah, and that's a that's a big deal for college football, and I know a lot of people, a lot of friends who either went to Tech or left Tech or associated with Tech are are really, really down today because of that that news and. Um, yeah, I mean, that guy was awesome. Just larger than life personality and, um, great coach, innovative, all the things. So wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. One thing I wanted to discuss before we go to is the Gio Reyna stuff that's come out the last few days. Mm. Um, let's just, let's just go for it. What do you think, man? Like there's been a lot that has come out on both sides and this and that and, and Gio's statement and the vote. The thirteen to twelve vote that apparently wasn't true is Jason McIntyre being stupid like he always is. The guy's a terrible reporter. But what do you think, man? That it kind of you know makes sense of like what happened and why he didn't get the playing time like during yeah. the World Cup. But like I don't know, there's a lot of layers to it that I feel like we wanna that we should be able to, you know, dig into. Yeah. I mean, first things first. Obviously, it sucks that this got leaked just because, like, this is information that we would have been better off not know. Like, the public would have been better off not knowing. Like, it, it does obviously help us to, like, make sense of, like, okay, he wasn't getting playing time because X. But, like, what this has done to, you know, the trust and the unity in that facility is something that I'm a little bit nervous for. Um, but aside from that, now for me to go ahead and place the blame after saying that it sucks that it happened. You know, <laughs> I think that it's on Greg, quite frankly, because to tell a, a 20 year old kid who is a superstar, who's insanely talented playing in, playing Champions League football or Europa League football. I don't know what Dortmund's doing these days. Um, but, you know, playing for an esteemed club in, in the Bundesliga um, to tell this guy, hey, you're going to be very limited in this World Cup. Like, the kid's 20. He's going to have an emotional reaction. Like, I'm 23, and I would have had an emotional reaction. You know, like, I, I don't bl- – like – I'm not going to say I don't blame him because obviously you want your players to be taking, you know, a mature response to like, okay, I'm going to be limited, but like he's, he's coming into this world cup ready to show what he can do and ready to, you know, contribute what he knows he can contribute to this team, which arguably we needed. So I'm, I'm obviously going to take his side because I think that we would have done better if he had gotten more minutes. But, yeah, I mean, I just think that it's mostly on Greg for, like, saying that to him. Like, not only saying that to him, but predetermining Gio Reyna is going to be very limited before the group stage even happens. Like, you don't know how things are going to play out. That's such a, that's such a, like, insane thing to, like, like, I can't even conceive that that's, like, a logical way to be a coach you know that's my initial thoughts yeah i don't like that greg would just like you said from the outset just like hey you're not gonna have a big role 
Why yeah. would you say that to a guy who's probably your fifth best player on the team? <laughs> right. Like, why? And like, he, I understand his injury, play. but still. Yeah. So dumb. Um, like I said, uh, the 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 thing about the vote that came out today or yesterday. Yeah. So oh, I, I thirteen saw to that, twelve. But I didn't know that it was fake. So tell me more about that. I saw the, the headline, but I didn't know it was fake. Yeah, I mean, I think Geo shut that down, or somebody shut that down. Which like totally makes sense because like I, that feels like a weird thing to just randomly vote on. Yeah. Um, and considering the camaraderie of the team, like I I don't believe that twelve guys were like, yeah, kick them off. Like I just don't believe that. Yeah. Um. So like I said, that's just Jason McIntyre literally being an idiot and just throwing stuff out there because he's an idiot. So don't listen to that guy. Um. Don't listen to a lot of Fox Sports personalities. Um. There's a, f- a few good ones, but not a lot of good ones either i thought geo's statement was was well said really really well said actually um that's one of those like clarifying statements that is honest and like you can you can tell like it's genuine it's not like one of those like pr related things where like you can tell yeah 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 like there's some elements of it that were like are coming straight from him and not like his agent or his team being like, you got to frame it in this way. Like he told it how it was. And so I think that's worth commending. I really think it is. Um, I don't love that look for Greg. And I know we've talked about Greg a lot over the last few weeks and how frustrating he can be. I was just uh, texting somebody. um, Shout out my guy, Tyler. Um, He was texting me about some NBA stuff. And we sort of talked about world cup, like immediately after that. And he was asking me about Greg if I liked him. I was like, no, because there's just a lot of things where he overthinks. He, you know, does things late um, on the field. But, like, now there's, like, these this off-the-field locker room element that mm-hmm. is starting to, like, show. And yeah. as evident by, like, you know, like, I understand if it was framed as, like, we're thinking about your future and we're thinking about you in the long term, like, we're we're not going to use you because you're hurt unless it's an emergency. But if you're just going to tell a guy, "Hey, welcome to the roster. I'm not going to play you much at all." Then why is he on the roster? You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you don't think that's important, I mean, obviously I'm glad he's on the roster cuz like god forbid we had Jordan Morris on the field or god forbid we had more Jesus Ferrer on the field. Yeah. But still like don't like set that off in somebody because like not everybody gets to go play at the world cup yeah like that's a that's a privilege to play at the world cup and to tell a young guy like hey welcome to your first one i'm not gonna play you like much at all it's super disheartening like you can't just say that like they're of course they're not gonna take it well so like i i like you said like i side with what geo did like of course that's an emotional response you know what i mean so yeah I agree 100%. Just an odd thing, man. Just a really, yeah. really odd thing. And Also, the Lakers are playing good right now. That's weird. Really anyway, playing? The Celtics, they're up 12. Ooh. They're on a 31-5 to run. Chill. Anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the one positive... Well, I've got two positives. Like you mentioned, I really loved Chio's statement. Like, that was... It was... It was 
I was very pleased to to read what he said because after seeing all those reports, I was very worried for how he was going to take an approach at international football. Um, you know, like I like if that was the 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 trend and the trajectory, I wouldn't really care too much about it anymore. Um, but you know, it was really good to see that he was like, I'm committed to this. I I really wanted to make an impact and that's why I had this emotional response, which is completely understandable. But the other positive that I'm taking away from this, and this is more wishful thinking, but I think that Greg is losing the locker room because of this, like on his way to losing the locker room. I'm not going to say that he lost it over this, but I think if we don't, you know, if he's here in two years and we don't see success, you know, with Copa America and all this stuff, like, I think he could very well be gone. So for me, I'm kind of like, you know, if it, if this is what it took to get him closer to the door and Gio's still happy, that's a win-win for me. I would even say that, like, I would be careful about his status after the Gold Cup next year. Like, if he doesn't fix these rough patches, then, like, I don't know. If you can go into Copa America with, with him there, you know? Because, like, if I'm the U.S., like, I know Gold Cup has always been kind of like a... Sometimes the U.S. and Mexico take it seriously. Sometimes they don't, just depending on the year and what happens. Yeah. If I'm the U.S., you have to take that seriously. You have to take that tournament seriously because of the fact that you are not going to have a qualifying process. Yeah. So you have to just play your guys. You have to get this core playing all of the minutes that they can together. And what I mean by core is like Pulisic, McKinney, Musa, Adams, Reyna, Aronson, uh, Anthony Robinson, Dest, Matt Turner. Mm-hmm. Like those guys have to be Walker, I guess, in that scenario too. Like those guys have to be playing all the minutes that they can together if they're going to be a part of this team in 2026. Yeah. And so they have to take Gold Cup seriously. Yeah. Like, you like you just have to. And you have to start preparing now, laying the foundation now for what happens in four years. And you have to have that quality that will get you far in four years. And so I would be really like scared if I'm Honduras or Panama or whoever else yeah. plays in, in gold cup. But like, that's just how it is, man. Like mm-hmm. they're like, they're not going to have to go through the rigors of like, okay, we can turn it on for qualifying. Like, no, you got to turn it on now. You're, yeah. d- you're building for what happens on home yeah. soil in three years. I three completely and a half years. agree. And that's what I feel like we've been missing from the USMNT for so long. Is just like, like after 2014, we were like, Oh, that was fun. We played Belgium. Meh. Then we fell asleep for four years and then we didn't qualify. Yeah. So I think we've learned enough from, from that. Hopefully going forward, we can have the gear going at all times. Yeah. Um, and same thing for Mexico too. And same thing for Canada. Like both those yeah. nations also have to take it as seriously too. Um, sure. Because they're, again, they're not going to go through that, that rigor of qualifying where that gives you that edge. I've talked about it once or twice on with you or I guess or with Clayton or with somebody over the last couple of weeks of like, that's a big reason why Qatar did not do well because sure they played Copa America. Sure. They played gold cup, 
But the fact that they did not have the same edge as all these qualified teams did, it was very evident in the way that they poorly performed and were literally eliminated after the second game that they played. Yep. So, I rest my case. I think Gold Cup matters a lot Uh for those three three Uh nations next year and in 2025. So, yeah. I think especially in 2025. Yeah. if these three nations are taking it seriously from now until 2025, like the 2025 gold cup could low key be like a really fun tournament to watch. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it has um, to be, it has to be like a dress rehearsal for yeah. the world cup the next year. 100%. 100% has to be Um, a quick note. MLS signed a deal. They have a new TV deal with Apple that's starting in the new year or next season, but they signed a linear deal to where Fox is going to have some games, at least like some big games and, and the final and big playoff games and things okay. like that. So that's good that that's happening. ESPN is not a part of that deal though, which is very interesting because ESPN has always been a, a staple of MLS. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that uh, MLS Apple deal, but it's like a hundred, $110 a season to get, like access to every game on Apple TV. Yeah. Something like that. So that's how you can watch Austin FC this year. Mr. I live in Austin and support Austin FC. Yeah. Who just signed Giassi Zardas. Yeah. That was, that's interesting. It is interesting. So do you think that's the end of a Rudy then there? So me and Lars, were just talking about this. Um, we now have so we've got four strikers on the roster now. We've got a Rudy, now Zardes, Gite, and then Pochettino, I think is his name. Pochettino, yeah. Uh yeah, but I don't he didn't, he didn't really play much. So <clears throat> we play a four two three one uh with a cam and right and left mid, not wingers. So the striker is isolated. Um which Uruti has been good with that. Like he he makes chance he does he takes his chances really well. We've got Fagundes I think on the left, um, and then Dariusi. Dariusi plays in the middle, right? Yeah. So like they play really well together, uh, and then Gite comes on for Uruti and he is electric, but he's just, he just doesn't have the stamina. Yeah. Um. So and he's he's a younger guy. So we've got those two. Now really old, and I have no idea how old Pochettino is. Um, He's younger. Okay. But, so we've got two washed strikers in Uruti and Zardes, who, like, are functional, like, they're serving a purpose. But I am honestly kind of hoping for us to move to a diamond 442, mm-hmm. so we can still have Drew C. You know, so, I mean, more so kind of functioning as a 4-3-3 with a defensive mid. Um, and like a false nine kind of, um, cause I kind of want to see GTA get more minutes and like have a support of a second striker. So he doesn't have to be so, you know, electric all the time. Cause that's been like, he comes on in like the 70th minute and he like full sprints for 20 minutes and then he's dead. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think it's the end of a routine. I, I want it to be like the transition for GTA to sort of build sure. his stamina. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I can see that. As someone who likes Austin FC, and I, I very much like Austin FC, more so than I like FC Dallas, I thought that's a that's a nice move to, to just get more attacking power. Because yep. that's how Austin FC has to play. Like, they, their defense is eh. You know, like, yeah. they, they just have to outscore people. You yeah. know, like, that's how they play. And so, yeah. especially with a guy like Drew see like, spearheading that attack. Mm-hmm. You just have to rely on that. So, yeah. Kudos to them for making that move. I don't know. I I assume that's just a straight signing, not like a trade with whoever he yeah, was with last time. Signing. I wonder if he's a he can't be a designated player either, right? Because you already have Drew C in one of those slots. You already have, I think Fagundes is a designated yeah, player or close to it. Um, but I'm pretty sure there are three DP slots filled for Austin and. At least two. Uh, I think Rigoni is our designated. Yeah. Uh-huh. Another one. Yeah, that that sounds right. So yeah. Rigoni, Driussi, and is it Fagundes or is it somebody else? Or oh, is it, is it Ring? This article says Austin FC and Ring agreed to new designated player contract. I guess because he's the captain and he, he made a lot of money in New York. Yeah. Huh. That's that, crazy. Ma- that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. I like Rang a lot. I think he's really, really good. Yeah. Um trying to think of I thought I missed a note. Oh, Weston McKinney's linked to Tottenham, Chelsea, and Dortmund. Dang. Thoughts? Tottenham, Chelsea, and Dortmund? Dude, send him to Dortmund. Send him to Dortmund right now. Okay, well, what makes you say that? I'm curious to know why. More playing time with Gio, and I like Dortmund. Okay. That's really it. Okay. <laughs> That's the only logic that there is behind that. Um, I mean, I think... So, he's is Juve his club, or is he on loan at Juve? He's, is, Juve is his club. Juve is his club. Man, I... I love him being at Juve just because I feel like he's grown so much exponentially over the years, just like being at that club. I have been scared of Chelsea because of what's happened to Pulisic. Um, So that's another reason that I would lean Dortmund is because I feel like Pulisic thrived more at Dortmund than he has been at Chelsea. Sure. Um, So honestly, if he goes to the Prem, I wouldn't mind him going to Tottenham or you know, one of the sides that's, you know, a little bit more around fifth, sixth, seventh place, you know? Yeah. Just for a chance to have some more minutes and a big, a bigger role in the squad. I feel like when I first saw that earlier, I thought Tottenham may have been a, a good spot. Yeah. But now thinking about it, it's like, is he going to play over Hoybjerk and Bentancourt, realistically, I don't know if he is. Yeah. And Chelsea Chelsea would be a good spot because they're going through a transition midfield. I don't think Conte's going to be back. That's a good um, point. Sounds like Jorginho might get sold as well. That was a terrible shot. Braun, good grief. <laughs> Drive to the hole, dude. Anyways. Um, yeah, Dorman, Dorman probably makes the most sense of those three. But yeah. also, I feel like he should go play. I mean, I don't know what top six, seven. I mean, Brighton would be a nice spot for him. Um, yeah. That's a, not as a, a big a high pressure club. Leicester even would be 
a good spot for him, I would say. Send him to Leeds. Send him to Liverpool, honestly, because we need <laughs> midfielders. But also Liverpool's linked to Jude and Enzo Fernandez and a couple yeah. other guys. So sign me up for all those guys. Sign me up for Enzo and Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham. There's this transformer all midfield. I would be really happy with that. Anywho, that's just me being dreamy at that point. Yeah. Uh, so Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's another one who there's no official links yet, but Yunus Musa and Valencia are willing to listen to bids for him and they're putting his value at north of twenty million. Okay. So I feel like based off his performance, I feel like if you can swing twenty five, yeah. Valencia would be really happy with that. Yeah. I don't know where he would go. I feel like he would be better suited not playing in England. Yeah. At least right now. I don't know. I say that. He, I, I would like him. I would like to see him at Dortmund as well. Yeah. Um, that could realistically be a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I think that's a good place to to end. I'm going to watch the, I guess, this overtime Lakers-Celtics game. Overtime? Yeah. Freaking weird. Because Tatum made a, a nice shot there at the end, and then Braun just pooped the bed, settling for a dumb three. Wah, Anyways, wah, 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 wah. listener, thanks for being here as always. Thank you to Dawson for being here for like your ninth or tenth appearance. I need to actually count how many times you've been on the show now because it's it's been a lot over the last few weeks, which is great. Uh, um, we will be back later this week. In some way, shape, or form, before the final, um, hopefully two episodes before the final, but we'll see. Um, if you like the show, rate and review it on Spotify and Apple. It helps greatly to get more people to know about it. Um, don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow the pod at Dennis Prince Pod on Instagram. Email the pod at DennisPrincePod at gmail.com. If you have any questions or anything like that, follow the both of us on social media, of course. And like I said, we will be back at least once probably twice before the final and then we go back to our kind of our normal uh, schedule of things with nba and, and epl talk and nfl playoffs I'm gonna start talking about that here pretty soon so and music review gotta talk about the best albums of the year so get ready for all those episodes coming soon but we're still in world cup mode so just not yet on, on non-world cup stuff but until then be good and do good 